Hi. Hello. Welcome to a um, grumpy cat-filled, probably, Map to the Stars. My name's Jeremy. And I'm Michelle. We should have given our names, ourselves names, like Ladybird. What's your name? Oh, no. Um, Do you have, like, a cool name as a kid that you used to call yourself for your dance performances? No. Although people for a while call you... Um, People for a while tried to call me Mitch uh, for like a what year. <laughs> I hated it. Why? I don't know. They just thought it was cute. And Mishy. I was I like so Mishy. mad. Mitch. Mishy's cute. I had a Lady friend Mitch. who tried to call me Shell. Shelly. Hate that too. Lady Shell. Sucks. These are coming in hot. Don't call me Mitch. <laughs> what about you? Autobiography. Ravioli. Because of Ramos Foley. That was my name. Sometimes. It's actually really good. So uh, what's like, what's the equivalent of Ladybird? Sir Ravioli? Um, yeah, but we just took like a hard left from like a bird to like food. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much Lady of the world that eats birds as food, though, unfortunately. Yeah. We're opening up our vegan uh, part of the episode. Let's not talk about real that. Real <laughs> early. We're going to lose some we people didn't even, here. We, didn't, we already lost them. We, don't even, we didn't even mention the nugs. Chicken nuggets? Yeah. You know how we're always talking about the sucking on the nugs? Sucking on the nugs. Yep. Wait, what about it? What did I miss? Well, we like to suck on the nugs of some filmmakers, some screenwriters, and some actors. And today, she does all three, you know? Oh, yeah. What do we do on this podcast? Um, we're your filming chartographers, and we dive deep, and we compare and contrast the astrological charts with the filmic work of many diverse talents. And today, mm-hmm. hat trick. She does all three. And she's uh, maybe one of, if not the most, I think, figure, most important figure in, like, American independent cinema of the 2000s and then also of last decade mm-hmm. in terms of just, like, she hit Hollywood and then she bumped out for a little bit to be with Bomback, write those movies. Frances Ha, Mistress America. You know her. You love her. <laughs> Imagine she was a guest. Oh, I lose my shit. Ah, Greta ah. Gerwig. We're going to talk about Greta Gerwig today. And for, like, small housekeeping, even though we're already on a tangent, this is our first episode that we're recording after we published uh, ourselves and, and, and came out as a podcast and everything, which is super exciting. So welcome, everyone, to the present tense. It's very exciting to be here. It's a little more stressful because we have much less time to do stuff. This episode's but. late. Much hey, like much fine. like uh, some of the characters in Greta's movies and herself and Francis Ha. Not very punctual. She's late. She can't pay her rent. But she's That's still our podcast charming right now. and adorable and hard not to love. Hopefully like our podcast right now. <laughs> um, and if you hear any uh, rumbling in the background, uh, we have turned from a podcast to a podcast. Because <laughs> we have a cat to the stars. Meow. And uh, yeah, so if you hear any rumblings that you might not have otherwise heard. And we moved. We're in a new spot. That's so why much we're late. Excited. Not because we're lazy. Yeah, you're right. But... <laughs> A little bit of both, but because we moved, lots going on. <sighs> nah. No one's interested. Yawn. <laughs> Let's move on. Sir Yawn. Sir Lady Yawn. Um, other than that, I have like nothing to note. And I think the thank you for everyone who's been listening to the episodes and everything. Um, going back and publishing them, and, and it was before we actually published all of this. Mm-hmm. I think the episodes were... Uh, reflective of the filmmakers that were taking on, as in they were a bit indulgent or, you know, genre-filled or charming, hopefully, and all that kind of stuff. Overwrought, overlong. 
Uh, we're going to try to be concise, unlike this intro right here, but we're going to try to be concise today and just bang out a nice, fun episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess before we go into it, hell yeah. Um, maybe we do this at the end, but we do have an Instagram and we post some fun stuff there and yeah. a Facebook. If you haven't followed it, um, you can get the first look at what we'll be talking about in like future episodes. <laughs> so yeah. you can like be a week early, watch the movies, follow along when the episodes come out. Yeah, let's hope. Thank you for listening. And uh, we're so excited about this episode. So, we love yeah. Greta. We love Greta. Yeah. So much. Yeah, actually, I know you think that she's a bit of a spirit animal for you. She's, she's an idol for you. Yeah. She used to, she got obsessed with ballet and then modern dance, but mm-hmm. she grew up as a dancer. She was really into that and theater as well. Oh, I know. Kindred spirits. She twists her words all, all the time. Mm-hmm, me too. Talks like a valley girl she a little totally bit. She does, yeah. Yeah. Real Sacramento. The Sacramento sack. girl. Yeah. I've only ever filled up gas in Sacramento. Never, I've never been. I've never. No, I've never. No, me neither. I just passed by it. Let's go to Greta Gerwig's beginnings. You bet. You bet. Yeah. Uh, where yeah. Where was she born again? Sacramento. Hell yeah. Sacramento, when? California. And when? August 4th, 1983. So. Happy belated. Happy bel- <laughs> Couple months ago, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess happy belated. Um, so this one was kind of fun to do, and it'll be a bit of like an easier episode, I think. We don't have her birth time or anything like that, so we do miss a lot of information that yeah. we could have found in her birth chart with that birth time, but it's fine. The only thing we're really missing, the ascendant, the houses. Um, usually the moon can also be off if you don't have a birth time. Because I was it, reading that, yeah. Yeah, like it moves, I think, every two days. So if you're born on a day that it moves and you don't know your birth time, your moon could either be one thing or the other. But luckily... We're luckily, yeah. Luckily during We're this luckily day... Here. <laughs> <laughs> luckily during this day, um, literally at like at midnight Pacific time in Sacramento, California, the moon was in Gemini, and it was still in Gemini at 11.59 p.m. on August 4th. So her moon's in Gemini, which is great. Um, astrologically, I thought, because we're missing some of that... Those juicy nugs, if you will. Hell yeah. It would be kind of fun to look at like a certain, not aspect in her birth chart, but like thing that's going on and kind of go off of that. So right. uh, her son is in Leo, but I kind of wanted to go off on like real sad vibes on this episode, mm-hmm. um, mainly because she has what is called a stellium in Sagittarius. Some people say- Is that like a septum piercing? Ooh. Um <laughs> Forget it. On the face of your birth chart, maybe. Yo! Because it's, like, really noticeable. And That's it's awesome. like, Yeah, you could say that for sure. Sorry. Some people say. Some people say a stellium. It's like when you have more than one, or sorry, three or more planets in one sign. Some oh. people argue that it's not a stellium if it's, like, they're not your inner planets. And she doesn't have three inner planets in Sagittarius, but she does have in three. In Gemini. In Sagittarius. Oh, shit. Her moon's in Gemini. Is something in Taurus? I'm just looking at the sign right now. Is something in Taurus? Um, doesn't look like it. But isn't that? It looks like there's three in Gemini, three in Sag. There is three in Gemini, three in Sag, but I'm going with Sag. Oh, because we'll the moon. Yeah, away. don't worry about it. The moon. Yeah, I found that the energy of her movies speaks a lot more to like a Sagittarius type than a yeah. Gemini. We'll talk about that a little more, a little bit more. But um, yeah, I guess I'll just like start from the beginning and like stop me. Uh, if you think I keep you've stopping, heard this you. I'm before. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yo, <laughs> we're right. never taking up Morrissey, regardless oh, of his vegan ethics. Yeah, no, sucks. Anyway, so here we go. Count the lips, Max. Uh, like I said, her son's in Leo, which is a masculine, fiery sign. It's symbolized by the lion. Um, so she has very strong qualities. Uh, what I grabbed on that Sagittarius is that 
There's something called Deacons. And this is getting like into it. This is like, I've never looked at this on my own chart, but basically you can split each sun sign occurs like a month. We got right? hands, people. I know you don't get the visual right <laughs> no, now, like, but she's praising the sun right now. I'm just going to go through like all of the Sagittarius in her chart right now and yeah. like tell you why I'm going with Sagittarius. And do like so, a modern art feast. And do like a modern <laughs> dance with it. But each birth sign, like your zodiac, is split up by like about a month or like 30 days-ish. You can split that 30 days further into what's called deacons. So each sign has three deacons and the Deacons are of the other quality. So this one's Leo. So in it, there are three deacons of other fire Leo signs. Leo and Sag. Right. Cool. So her deacon is in, I think it's the second one. Let me check. Yeah. So her deacon is ruled by Jupiter, uh, which basically means that her Leo energy also has some like Jupiter-y Sagittarius energy. So they're both obviously fire signs. So they both have very strong qualities, but it's like the Leo, which is like the lion, energetic, confident, with Sagittarius, which is like super adventurous, ambitious, bold, etc. So all of those qualities coming together. So she's a bit of a Sag there. Nice. Otherwise, um, I don't know. She just has like a lot of that kind of energy. Um, what kind of energy? Let's describe it, right? Jupiter is in Sagittarius. Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius. So it's in the sign of its rulership. Um, which just kind of like amplifies and doubles up on that energy. It's like in its home, right? So it's in the place where it's most comfortable. So yeah, we can say that she has like double Sagittarius energy there. Um, but I just mean like what kind of energy? Not like, oh, it's, for like, sure. exci- like, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. Oh my gosh, for sure. So then so. let's go into the like, yeah, let's go into that. So I actually Google this and I don't know shit about mythology, but... Britannica.com has got me. <laughs> the Shut up. Encyclopedia of yeah. Life. So you asked this a couple episodes back, and I totally like I like brushed you off because I was like, ooh, what's ooh, he talking ooh, about? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you know Chiron, the centaur? I remember that. Chiron. Did I say it was a spice or something? Or I, yeah, probably. Yeah. Chiron is Sagittarius. They're the same figure, better answer. Because it's a minotaur. It's a centaur. It's a centaur. What's yeah. a minotaur? I don't know. It's. I think it's like a half animal, half man thing. But maybe a minotaur is like a different animal. But then something's cooler about Chiron. Also, doesn't it link with Prometheus? Yeah, uh, we okay. shouldn't be talking about this. Let if we me don't go know. into. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you got yeah, this. Yeah, cool. a little bit. Okay, so Sagittarius is Chiron, the son of Kronos and uh, Philra. Not sure. Uh, you know Kronos. Uh, anyways, so he's a centaur, which is a half horse half man i think so if i'm not mistaken so he was i guess just really known for being unlike other centaurs who were pretty like violent and savage chiron was well known for his wisdom his knowledge of medicine specifically so one day by accident he was shot by a poison arrow by hercules totally accidentally hercules obviously didn't mean to do it i know i think he did on purpose yeah Chiron, well, I heard that, I knew that Chiron had to deal with Disney and Hercules actually wanted the movie instead. He was like, so I should like, read this movie. Oh, so I damn. think he hurt to get that movie deal. Disney's got some like bad blood, eh? Disney's like old too. Like, yeah. So even though Chiron was so knowledgeable about like medicine and healing, he couldn't heal himself. Right. Uh, so he made a deal with. Prometheus, uh, right? Yeah. So he basically renounced his immortality because Chiron was immortal. Right. Renounced his immortality in favor of Prometheus. Prometheus was previously punished for bringing fire to man. Yes. Right? And then Zeus 
the king of gods was Classic. like, oh my God, what a what a nice good boy. We're going to um, immortalize you forever in the stars. And that's the constellation. Wow. Yeah. You don't hear Zeus always being a nice guy. Zeus is always like He prick, seems like angry. He? Yeah. He always seems angry. like full of rage. He's always the boss in a, a video bit. game. Yeah. Anyways, so that's the story. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyway, he's probably been in a couple of video jokes. games. Um, but that's the story of Chiron or Sagittarius. So okay. first and foremost... Yeah, known for, like, wisdom, good nature, healing. Sacrificial, um, too. A little bit of sacrifice, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, just on that, too, just to go through, like, the qualities of Sagittarius. It's right. a masculine sign, a fire sign. So both pretty, like, bold um, characteristics. Uh, and it's also mutable. So some of the qualities you would associate with Sagittarius, other than the ones we just talked about, are, like, Strong desire for freedom, adventure, ambition, like very energetic, very challenging. Jupiter is its natural ruler. Jupiter also rules, is the natural ruler of like the ninth house, which is the house of philosophy, higher learning, learning about different religions and cultures. Yeah. Um, so which those is, are kind of the qualities you can, uh, yeah, that you would like attribute to Sagittarius. She's a lot of this in her chart. And foreshadowing, that I think is key for all three characters that we're going to look at today, Absolutely. Uh, including Greta herself, because a lot of it is, I have a, not not a hot take, but I have an idea that like Little Women's almost even more autobiographical to her than yeah. Lady Bird, right? Yeah. As a writer and trying to get her name out there and that it's her stories that she's telling. For sure. Um, so yeah, it is that drive for self-expression mm-hmm. and freedom uh, and individuality. I think those are the real keys. And that's, fully, and that's fully. sorry, that's what I was trying to kind of, yeah, pull out of you for mm-hmm. the energy because he kept saying that, and I knew that you were saying that. I was just like, for "But let's, sure. what's that energy yeah, yeah. again?" So it's that, just right? like that need to kind of break out from the home environment um, and domestic to like yeah. something that's like on a higher level. Yes. Now there is a lot of stuff in her chart that we'll talk about later, especially between Ladybird and Joe, that does tie back to family, which is super important in both those movies. The arc, right? Coming back to it, yeah, right. But another big kind of relationship with Jupiter or with Sagittarius. So Jupiter's obviously in Sagittarius, but um, Jupiter is also conjunct Uranus, which is the planet of upheaval, rebellion almost, oh, yeah. and like um, like a force of change. So those two work really well together. And I think the Jupiter-Uranus kind of relationship really like embodies the type of character that Lady Bird is a lot of the time and Joe is. Yeah, the, the drive... Of individuality and freedom for sure from the domestic or from what was, what was it the house of again which one uh, the ninth one uh like philosophy yeah but yeah. higher learning and yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah, going to sure. that east coast art yeah. college going to new york Teaching, right? right and it's just expanding your mind and you can for only sure. do that through that force of change yeah, yeah but feeling that um and this is something else too and it's the last thing just to bring it back to chiron so chiron is actually like an aspect in the chart it's like yeah. the wounded healer Obviously, yeah. hearing that story, yeah, you understand wow. that, right? So, as, shouldn't I talk about the video game bosses? <laughs> no, as Jupiter uh, is conjunct Uranus, um, they're both op- also opposite to Chiron uh, in the chart. So we'll see that in Joe and Ladybird, but it's kind of like both Ladybird and Joe feeling that like breaking out and like experiencing more, going somewhere else is like the key to like healing their past wounds, whether those are like inflicted from childhood or like by society of like being a woman, that acting out and that kind of like rebelling is like a way to like solve those early heal those wounds. Yeah. Okay. That's it (laughs) for now. And the wounds that are like sometimes self-inflicted. 
Yeah, full. because of miscommunicating and misunderstanding. Fully. And something and- that like they both project those ideals onto others. That mm-hmm. it's like, why don't you see eye to eye for me? You know, Joe to Meg, her sister, Emma right. Watson in Little Women. Well, what being like, well, let's run away together. Let's you don't have to get married. For sure. Right? Well, do you know the chart well enough? Like what's opposite uh Sagittarius? I can look at it right now. Sure. Gemini. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so yeah. her Chiron is actually in Gemini. So that's all about like her wounds are like, you know, it is all about communication. Like she never feels like she's understood. She always feels yeah. like she's not communicating properly and she or like has a hard time. So <laughs> we always talk about communication. I know, every but it episode. works, right? So like Yeah, I mean again, every single movie, part of it. We'll talk <laughs> we'll talk about that too, but like Gemini, that communication and like you even touched on this before, once we get into the movies, is gonna be a huge way that both Ladybird and Joe kind of like wrap up like wrap up their stories in the movies and how they like come to be comfortable with themselves. Yeah, my you know? yeah, my um my way in was just thinking of authorship more For than sure. communication. Just to yeah. also, you know, have something different than friggin' communication that we're talking about. For sure. But it's the act of, you know, writing or being a creator of art. And that's so important to uh Francis and Francis Ha. Huh? We didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't even run down the movies necessarily. Oh my gosh, yeah. They'll be in the description. We'll, we'll, you'll be, if you see the Instagram post, we'll talk about all of them. Yeah, let's get into but Francis, it. Yeah, but Francis Ha, Lady Bird, the titular Lady Bird, and uh, Little Women for Joe Marsh. Mm-hmm. All really important for them to be individuals creating something from their own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that authorship. It's communicating their experiences with a broader audience. And then that change brings with it what they seek. Right. The expression of freedom and individuality. Again, it's like the self-expression of that less than like someone else's idea of it. You know? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's so interesting to see all of these movies are actually completely different than like the Spielberg and the PTA ones we were looking at. Right? Yeah, totally. So you just have like a modern kind of comedy, Mm -hmm. you know, that is like mostly a rom-com, right? She, like, loves her friend, loses her friend, gets her yeah. back, right? It's like a rom-com mixed up, but it's just two friends. And then Lady Bird is a coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. And then Little Women's, like, an adaptation, the 10th adaptation of a... But, like, each time you can keep... It's, like, more interesting almost than the past episodes we've been doing. For sure. Because it's harping on the same sort of ideas, but in, like, completely different movies and styles. And uh, it's exciting, yeah. The anchor. The anchor mm-hmm. is what I was talking about. That, like, anchored me, the authorship of all of this. For sure. Should we talk about Lady Bird? Yeah, we can talk about all of this stuff freely, I think. Perfect. Yeah, if you want to, honestly. Sure, yeah. Um, it's pretty loose, I think. Again, we don't want to go too deep into this because yeah. we don't have that much information. And we have that one key, too. Is there anything right. else in the chart, though, that you want to Let's see. Well, lots of Sag. Talked about Jupiter in Sagittarius. Jupiter and Uranus conjunct, and then Chiron opposite that. So the only other thing I noted that I found was, like, interesting, and I think this was from, like, I don't even know where this was from. Probably, like, AstroSeek or something like that. But um, online. (laughs) (laughs) Britannica.com. The Jupiter conjunct. Get get some ads going. Yeah, sponsor us. We talk about you a lot. We go on your site a lot. Um, Sorry. They said that Jupiter conjunct Uranus was often, like, a bit unusual in like terms of physical appearance. Like there was something different about them. For example, like extremely, extremely tall, extremely short. I think she's and it's tall, like, isn't she? Yeah. We'll look at like both. And 
for this, I'm honestly looking a lot at, like, the main character, Saoirse's character, in both movies because they are so similar. But, like, yeah, look at her in both movies. She doesn't quite fit in. Boyish qualities. For or, sure. Or, uh, you know, the, the dyed hair. And what I also found with that, and I think this applies to little woman as well. and Little all, women. Little women, little woman, and all of the sisters. It's a different movie. And I actually listened to a bit of a podcast with Greta. It was, like, the HFA. Is that a thing? Hollywood Foreign Association, right? HFPA, Hollywood Foreign oh, Press sure, Association. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, why, why? What's up? It was a bit. I didn't listen to all of it, but I listened to just a bit of an intro. Um, and Greta described the sisters in a really interesting way, which I think ties back to this a lot, where it's like they expect more from the world than what the world can offer them, and that's something with that relationship too. It's like. This is like a direct quote. Again, I'll find the web. If anyone comes after me, I'll like find the website. I found it. Astrosy? Uh, one of them. Um, but they're convinced of their exceptionality, which is true for like both movies, that they're so convinced of, um, you know, the sisters and little women that like, again, like the world, they want more from the world um, and that they deserve more from the world. And then it's like coming to terms with the fact that that's like not what's important in life. I have to, or wait, what's not important in life? Like success, money. Right, You know, that was always the big thing where it's like uh, with little women, the sisters, like not having presents at Christmas or like Meg. Meg Meg specifically, yeah. And even Joe, like selling her books. Beth, Beth, Joe, Meg. Amy. Amy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's Florence Pugh? Yeah. yeah. Amy? Yeah. Yes. I trust you. (laughs) She's right. I haven't. I have. Yeah, it's Amy. Um, Bob Odenkirk. (laughs) Bobby sacrifices her work. For money, because it's what she needs, right? But oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not obviously her drive to write or to create. It's not money at the end. What's the end of the book? Does she open the school and they all have their own little classes that they can, like, do their passion still and they live, you know, five minutes from each other kind of thing? To be fair, I'm going to have to, like, look that up. I get so confused it? when I, like, read books and see movies. Cute. I have a one-track mind. As you're doing that, uh, I have two, if we can, if we can kind of, uh, if I can echo what you were saying, where they were, they're convinced of their exceptionality. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. I have two quotes actually from here. Um, so one from the A.O. Scott review of Lady Bird. Lady Bird can give herself and everyone around her a hard time because she insists on asserting her own individuality, even when she's not quite sure what that means. She doesn't really know why she's doing it. It's just that it's just this drive that she needs to, which is almost, um, I like how poetic that is because it's like, it's an instinctual inherent Mm -hmm. quality and drive and almost, you know, in a nice little way, it can kind of, you can bridge it to, you know, it's, it's a fictional story and everything. So it's easy to bridge it to the astrology where it's just like, you can't really change that about you. Right. You can't really control it either. You just have to assert that and because they're convinced, you know, Lady Bird's convinced that this is what will solve her, you know, the wounded healer or whatever, but it will solve that. And again, for sure, at the end of the movie, as we always get ahead of ourselves, she reconciles with her mom mm-hmm. because she had a big learning experience in her first, you know, week, first weekend in New York. For first sure. night in New York or mm-hmm. whatever, right? She still had to go and assert herself somewhere else and seek that adventure in order to repair those self-inflicted wounds with her mom, right? And, you know, vice versa. Fully, it's like thinking that that's going to solve it. And then for both 
characters, they both come back to that idea of like home and family. Um, Huge, yeah. As kind of like triumphing over like that other need. Yeah. Um, which, you know. Or realize, <laughs> now that I found the word, I'm just going to keep using it, but realize it's the anchor mm-hmm. that they can still pursue their passions, just not in the exact same way they thought maybe. Right. Or that it's not giving them the same satisfaction or mm-hmm. sense of closure. Greta's birth chart, her uh, Mars is in Cancer. So that kind of makes sense. It's like, what are you driven by? What are you passionate about? You're passionate about like home and family and you do, that is what drives you. So it comes back to that for both, for for Greta, I'm sure too, that like hits close to home. Yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to have that foundation mm-hmm. in order to, the catalyst to then, you know, go off on your own and do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. else, you know, you're, <laughs> it's a scary world out there. Mm-hmm. The second one I was going to do, there was a, just a long feature from the New York Times uh, about Gerwig around uh, around the release of Lady Bird. Uh, actually, there's two, but one I'll just save for when I'm talking about authorship. Um, but the one that connects to asserting our own individuality and uh, convinced of their own exceptionality mm-hmm. um, is that the East Coast schools that they talk about in Lady Bird and that she thrives and, you know, um, applies for. Uh, none of that made sense. That she applies for? That she thrives for. Yeah. Shoot. The East Coast schools carry complex symbolic weight for Ladybird. Uh, they mean possibility and glamour and leaving home and something like self-worth. Right. Which I think is really self-worth, I think, mm-hmm. is the key as well. But glamour in a funny sort of way because, you know, there's still a class, you know, optics on class division in Lady Bird, just as much as Little Women. Right. And Frances Ha, because yeah, she's like, I'm fully. so poor. And her friend's like, don't, that's like rude to poor people. You're not poor. Yeah. So every single one of them, Greta and Frances, uh, yeah, Greta and Frances Ha, and both searches, both Suresh's <laughs> Rowanans, <laughs> both searches, yeah. um, you know, struggle with class mm-hmm. and their wealth status and the low to middle income that they seem to be kind of, you know, existing in, in limbo. Mm-hmm. So, the East Coast and New York City, both Lady Bird, they all end up in New York City. Again, it's crazy. I, I love city all these links. Dreams, city of possibilities. City of angels. Wait, the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Cue transition. Bee, 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 bee. Okay, let's talk about the movies. Let us talk about the movies. Francis Ha, 2013. Sure. Lady Bird. Yeah. 2017. Mm-hmm. Little Women. Yep. 2019. Good spread. Each one with a bigger budget. Each one with a bigger rake in at the box office. Absolutely. Little Women made over like two hundred million. That's huge. That's I know. Huge. I know. And Lady Bird made like eighty or something, which is pretty. Little good, Women but. is like a movie that is like going to be classic family viewing forever. It set itself up to do just that. Like there is nothing wrong with that movie. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with any it of these is movies. So I like Francis Hall the least. I like Lady Bird the most. Mm-hmm. I think we could probably both agree on that. Yeah. But okay. yeah, she so she yeah, she started out though with the um Duplass brothers, Jay and Mark Duplass yep. making those movies. She co-wrote Nights and Weekends, this movie mm-hmm. that is like incredibly difficult to find. I've never watched it uh with Joe Swanberg. It's the Mumblecore movies. A lot of it's I know. improvised. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of it's improvised and she came from that school. Uh I think she was easy it was easy for her to sort of um uh, integrate Right. And assimilate into that world because she was a theater kid and she wrote. She like uh, considers herself a writer first mm-hmm. and foremost. Right. Um, yeah, it seems like from every interview 
that I've heard of hers. She just like so enjoys not being the one in front of the camera and like yeah. having been in both those worlds. It's just like so natural. All three, all three, because yeah. she would, you know, she co-wrote quite a bit, but also mm-hmm. co-wrote, you know, Frances Ha, Mistress mm-hmm. America, strictly acted, 20th century women. Yep. Uh, Arthur. Yep. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No. It's like the remake of this British sort of bachelor oh, yeah, swing, and it's Russell Brand. And Weird. she's the love interest. Ooh. Yeah. <gasps> oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've never seen it, yeah. but she she talks about that. She just goes that like, oh, I was never comfortable being the ingenue. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how to become. I, I don't know what being the love interest is like. Or no, she knows what it's like, but she it just didn't fit with her. Right. And I think look at the kind of love or relationships that are in any of the three movies, right? It's not there. Familial, really. Right. Yeah. Right. It's always like something that... Is a little unfamiliar, is a little uncomfortable, um, doesn't take the the stage ever. And it's not supposed oh, to. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, you mean all like the sort of unrequited love happening or yeah. um, a lot of the, you know, crossed wires and mm-hmm. the ladybird. I know right. you got your phone rearing to go. Oh, I just actually, have it here in but case. <laughs> actually, what's really important too, I think, and I think is really important because it's a lot of the three characters here mm-hmm. and Greta herself and sort of her trajectory because she ended up then turning back around to being a writer and director, you know? Right. She's even more, where did she find her most success? And I mean that only in terms of awards and Oscars and everything being nominated. Because, holy shit, you mm-hmm. know, 2006, she's in this movie called LOL, which is, I think is her first, her screen debut. Sure. All improvised mumblecore kind of stuff, you know, small. And then 11 years later, she's the writer and director of Lady Bird, which is my favorite movie of 2017. But not only that, it's like, it is this sort of elegy of Sacramento. Right. It's this nostalgic sort of like, you know, very totemic poem of her ha- hometown, right? Yeah. And, and it's not so much where like all of that New York energy, I feel, is like in is so much part of that mumblecore kind of mm-hmm. like. Yeah. It's about learning to like love yourself and accept yourself. Sure. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. all these three movies, just to bridge them really quickly and then we'll get into our own observations. But it's like learning to love and accept your home and yourself, and your work, and who mm-hmm. you are. But but you know how, like, you were about to say that, like, a lot of the love, look at the love, like, doesn't get on stage, it doesn't really happen or anything? Mm-hmm. I will only counter that by, you know, in Frances Ha, when she's like, you know in a relationship where you look at someone in a room, and, like, you have that moment where mm-hmm. you, like, it's the secret world? Do you know who she has that with? Who? Sophie, at the end, remember? And oh, she, yeah. And she has her dance, and they look at each other, and yeah. that's what the movie ends oh, on. The movie, the movie ends on her love with Sophie, their yeah. love together. And that's the thing of, like, you can find that love outside of relationships. Sure, yeah. Which I think is, which I think is like, the third thing that movie's trying to say. Right. You know? Yeah. Maybe not, you know? <laughs> it's got yeah. more, It's more to do with Frances and her becoming herself, but, and finding her voice. Right. Which is another thing that all these three movies are all about. It's the names and the voices. Well, and I think that's interesting too because it takes kind of branching out and like doing something different for them to get to that point of realization and like acceptance. But take a look at any of them throughout like the beginning, the beginnings of those movies, right? They don't, they try to come across as a lot more experienced and a lot more cultured and a lot more educated than they are. Lady Birds doesn't know what a clove is or like has never smoked before. She starts reading the uh, People's History of the United States. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. After, you know, uh, Paul Modib does. Yeah, exactly. Kyle. (laughs) I said his name's actually Kyle and I thought Kyle McLaughlin and then I went to Dune. That's why. Timothy Chalamet. You got there. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. 
all of them, Greta or Francis, you know, never, never, never traveled. <laughs> Joe, you know, never been in a really, she's always been like so independent, so fiercely independent. And never traveled too, because she traveled. wants to go to Europe as well. Right. Yeah. Never kind of like been outside the home. So that's all of those characters who try to kind of, again, use that adventurous, um, ambitious drive. They want to escape. They want to go somewhere else. They want to do something new. And using that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm Keep so going. sorry. No, no, go no, 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 no. Finish your point. I love you so much. <laughs> We have a secret world. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, they want to use that. Like it, it, it comes back. It's like it's like solving something for them, or it's like uh, fulfilling something for them. Whether that's like healing something, or, or I don't know, getting them to this this image of themselves or this version of themselves that they don't actually have a tangible idea, idea of. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly what I was so saying. They're, like, not, they're not really sure what it means. Sure. So it's like. They are lacking all of this experience, but they're almost using it um, because they— The inexperience? Exactly. So they're like, I need to go to New York. I need to get out of Sacramento. Um, Only to come back and realize that, like, your thing, the authorship, like, they're accepting of themselves, of of their families. It, like, takes doing all of that for them to, like, come full circle. Yeah, well, and I was going to say—and that friggin' phone's rearing to go, so I'm really sorry. But I just wanted to set the stage a little bit. Sure. Um— because there is so much that links these three movies. And all coming from Gigi yourself. The goat. <laughs> Gigi the goat. Um, Gigi the goat. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Gigi. Queen Gigi. I was going to say that um, the inexperience, they use it as a reason that they need to go somewhere to then fulfill what they're lacking. Yeah. Their 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 individuality, etc. Um, mm-hmm. That they need to assert, that they need to sort of uh, realize and manifest. There, but the problems that they run into mm-hmm. largely then um, derive from that they use it as an excuse for their unhappiness. Right. And I mean that in terms of like they're because they're not really happy where they're situated mm-hmm. or they don't have the higher learning yet available mm-hmm. where, you know, she goes to New York and Frederick. Yeah. Gives her Shakespeare to read, mm-hmm. and 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 so that you know expands outside, and she needs to go to the East Coast to, she wants to live through something, which as much as like a you know physical ailment yeah. and disease, you know she like wants to live through. They all want to live through something more. To be fair, though, I think Joe and Francis both have a better idea of kind of what they want for themselves. Yeah. Lady Bird doesn't they have, a career have that as in much. Mind. Right, right. That's like the one thing that I think sets her apart. And Lady I Bird's think it's teenager. like a youthful thing. Yeah, she's young and she, again, is inexperienced, kind of naive. So she like doesn't necessarily know what she's looking for. And Joe's a teenager, but in the 1800s. So it's a little different. <laughs> yeah. And I think all of them too, like they share such similar qualities. And that's why I'm bringing it back again to like the Sagittarius or the Leo. It's like masculine signs, fiery signs. They're very opinionated. Um, I don't want to say aggressive, but they can definitely hold a grudge. Like, they're just, they have such a strong presence. Less aggressive, more boisterous. They really fill a room or they command a room and everything. Right. And, yeah, fully. I mean, but Joe's, like, like <laughs> taking Amy down, though. Yeah, like, when she burns the book and everything. I know. Yeah. But, like, burns the never, pages. and I think that's what's great about the stories, too, is that, like, they never have to fit within a certain mold and they, like, don't try to either. It's like even coming back to family at the end, it's like, well, what happened to Joe? You know, the the book can't end without the the woman marrying. You know, you can't have an unmarried woman unless she's dead by the end of the book. But it kind of like, you know, she is married by the end of it, but it kind of twists it a little. And it's like, well, she's open to school and like her sister's the one with babies, but like she has this like, yeah, she's like 
made the house into a school for boys that would like make her aunt so upset. It's like, a, it's like, it's, it's just a bit off of what's, uh, what's expected. Yeah. And, and I mean, one could see that as settling. And then there's that really cheeky scene mm-hmm. that's I'm sure not in the book originally between the publisher and Joe talking about the ending itself. Yeah, no. That's not oh, in there? Oh, and I looked up. It's the, like it that. does end the same. Yeah, they have the school. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long book. It's like four, 500 pages. Um, if you said, if you said that, never mind. No. No, do it. Do it. Say if it. you said the, you were about to say four, but it said five, but if you went for, for like five, it would have been a real good Massachusetts. Five. It would have been a real good Massachusetts accent <laughs> where they were a- situated. <laughs> the Bill Simmons, that's his name, right? The Bill Simmons podcast. I think so, yeah. Where they had like Saoirse and Greta on. Yeah. There was like this big joke. Um, and I thought, I don't remember what word they were saying. but Bro, like, you got to write this stuff down. I know. Now I'm not even going to say it, but it was just like Greta trying to teach Sersha like a Sacramento accent because it's so specific. And there was this one word where she's like, why do you say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking about it because I have kind of like a similar cadence to my voice. Like I'm kind of, Everything's I, you know, a question. Everything is a question. <laughs> I sound like I, I know a lot less than I feel like I do, but and, um, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going you with know this. It was just cute. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. You run circles around anyone talking about Chiron, ah, Prometheus, the Sedge. I just Googled it. Astroseek. It is from Astroseek. I did write that down. Whatever I said where I didn't know how to reference it, it's from Astroseek. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, what was I going to say? Authorship. Oh, no, just the cheeky scene. No, oh, no, no. Yeah. Authorship, not yet. I the know. The cheeky scene. We got a, I know, this has been a nice big tangent before we just go like hard for 15 minutes and then end this. Um, <laughs> this is just an ode to Greta. We love her. Yeah, it's just fun. I mean, also. She's this made is, this so many old- perfect movies. And by someone at the ones we're talking about, Lady Bird and uh, Little Woman. She's in a lot of perfect, perfect movies too. Twentieth Century Women. I love. Great I love movie. a lot too. Yeah. Um, also, we don't have two episodes to talk about someone, so we're trying to cram in all the praise and glory I know. that we can about it's someone been a little that we like so much. That isn't like complicated for us. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Magnolia, undoubtedly. Yeah, Magnolia takes a few missteps or something like that. You know, sure. like her fur or two. You know, big Hollywood directorial debut kind of stuff Mm -hmm. she can't have two debuts but you know (laughs) what i mean anyway um the cheeky scene sort of referencing that what i was going to say is that one could see that as sort of her settling or something like that and i think what's let's just say because i don't know i saw it originally i never read the book and i go oh i wish she like was traveling instead but i get it i get the whole school thing and then it's a nice happy ending and then it wraps up and that's Mm -hmm. the original ending but i think more to that it actually speaks more to her sign which is the friggin' thing that we're talking about on this podcast because mm-hmm. it's higher learning. It's yeah. philosophical, right? Yeah, she is. provides that base. It only be it's almost like she's like this. She's become a teacher. Like that's it's this pillar of knowledge. For it, sure. Absolutely she's a teacher. She builds this girl schools are so poor. Yep. Right. And so malnourished in terms of like resources mm-hmm. and the environment that they're in that she wants to provide that. So and you know, it's she's like, she's passing that on, right? It's that it's that it is th- that search for truth and higher learning and higher you know. But like outside of herself, it's like um, altruistic. It's, it yeah, is altruistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like gone from her own drive in writing to like bringing that outside of herself and like imparting that knowledge on on other people. It's like become her life's work. I agree. So she's like a true Sag. Here, here. Here, here. Some, I don't know. Some people say Sagittarius gets a bad rap. Yeah, I think it's a I've sick sign. My moon's in Sag. Hell yeah. It's like every sign has its things. Like they're a bit all over the place, right? No, Ladybird. Joe both. They're like a bit scattered. They're a bit hard to like communicate with, but it's like they know how to have fun. 
I don't know. <laughs> That's know, a wrap. They know how to have fun. It's like it's a complex sign. It's like you know they do good work. I don't know. That's I don't know. I, I just like that's perfect. I don't like it. Okay, Mermaid. let's let's do another goddamn transition here because we Beanie just nee. we only we only queued up the movies. Uh, here we go. I mean, I think we've said a lot of what there was to be said. We focused on Sagittarius specifically because I felt like that was something that uh, was really relevant in her chart and relevant to the movies. But also, you know, in her chart, we're able to still pull things back to family. There's a bit of Virgo in there, too. Like her uh, Mercury Venus is in Virgo. So she does have, you know, a drive to still serve others. And maybe those others are her family or like the school. Yeah. Um, And Greta on the film Crew. She just talks about how in like uh, an interview – this one off camera with Sam Jones. Mm-hmm. She talks about there's some directors that like want to clone themselves 2,000 times to be like every single person. And mm-hmm. she's like, why would you want to do that in like the most collaborative maybe yeah. like art world there is? You know, sure. film is like so collaborative and she wants others to interpret her work. Right. And she's like, that's a better idea. Let's go with that. Yeah. So yeah, serving others than to learn more about herself and more about her work through that collaboration. For sure. Like, Obviously, in anyone's chart, you're being pulled, you know, a million different ways. So it's cool to see that with a bit less information than we had for previous directors, that there's still so much like relevant information in the in the films. Like the Sagittarius energy, I thought was huge. The Jupiter Uranus um, energy, I thought was huge as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both just like they're both really just like badass women to look up to, <laughs> despite their flaws, despite some like hiccups in their journeys. You know, they are both. It becomes more charming. They're more likable because of it. More relatable. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cups. And that can come back to like the the moon and Gemini, whatever whatever you want it to be. That could just be because Greta was born in such a wonderful family. She's such a wonderful person, you know, yes. astrology aside. Um, it's cool that it all lines up. But I think all of the characters um, and how great they are comes back to like just Greta being a great person. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the podcast is. We just, I mean, yeah, that's why we take these people up. They're just wonderful people seemingly. Yeah. And create beautiful works of art. Yeah, fully. Yeah. That's pretty much, uh, yeah, all I had. They're just like fitting into their own mold. And they're all phenomenal movies. And and, and constantly chiseling away at the edges of that mold and, and yeah. sort of making room, like adjusting. For sure. Right. You know? And learning that like it's not this solipsistic journey. Where they, you know, because Greta doesn't even want the, Greta, that's hilarious, Francis mm-hmm. doesn't even want the job from her boss. I can't yeah. remember her name. Um, Colleen. Uh, killing it. Yeah, Colleen, yeah. And then she I takes really it at like the end. But then, she ta- but then she takes it at the end. Yeah. And then she takes the space, seemingly, I think, at the end. And right. like, yeah, it's, it's interesting at the beginning of all of the third acts, seemingly. Lady Bird's third act is not that, and it's her sort of reconciling with Julie. Mm-hmm. But the beginning of Frances Haw's third act is her returning to her college. Right. Right. It's this like return to what was before. And because of that, that is a bit more depressing. Yeah. And it's this sort of pivot for her to, to reconcile with her friend mm-hmm. and then take the help. Right. For Forgive sure. and not hold the grudge and not try to do it herself. Where she's like, I'm good. I don't need any help. Yeah, I'm good. I have, I'm going to do my dance. And like, she needs the job. She needs the stability. But and it's I, good for her, right? I think you can't call it, and it, and I think it comes back to what you're going to talk about in just a second, but I don't think you can call it settling because settling would no, 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 imply no, yeah. that, you know, there's still some sort of unease or unhappiness within her by the end of it you're because right. she settled, so she's still, like, not content, but it's not that. It's, like, it's an acceptance. a full acceptance, right? Yeah, and that's what I was trying to say before uh, the transition. <laughs> when I said we were going to talk about movies and just 
queued him up, but I was like, oh, it's an accepting of herself and her journey and her mistakes. And and I mean this in terms of Francis, Lady Bird, Christine. Uh, yeah, uh, Christine yeah. and Lady Bird, which is so huge. Lady Bird and, and Little Women. She has to reconcile and accept the help. Yeah. Frederick's help and criticism, you know, she doesn't want that. Joe's like, well, what do you know? You know, like yeah. you're not going to do anything because you're a critic. You're not going to put anything down. Everyone's going to forget you. People are going to remember Joe well, Marsh. And, that was- and that's where it is aggressive, though. And you're right, right? And, that's and it's where that it fire. Was, it was so telling, too, of like, you know, uh, how sensitive she is towards her like own creative work, too. Where Solid it's like, right? She exists in her own head with it. For sure. Where it's like, oh, but you're just doing this for money. Like you're creating these stories because they sell. But it's like when she receives that criticism, she's actually. You know, you're like, okay, it's not about the money. It is really about like her own creative journey and being proud of her own work. Yeah, and 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 with that, she had already, uh, you know, Beth passes. Yeah, and she tells Marmy that she's just lonely, and then little old Frederick comes around. <laughs> she cares more to be loved than to love. But then also that she has, you know, love to give. Yeah, as well. I mean. Uh, sounds like friggin' Freddie or something from uh, <laughs> Magnolia. Yeah. All, all, all. Um, Lincoln back. All Lincoln Park. Uh, this is it with like archetypes, <laughs> like the same qualities exist in, in so many movies. I No, 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 you're right. Frederick, she then accepts in, mm-hmm. a, in a way sort of, you know, if you want to tie it all back, she's accepting that help from him, both right. in terms of like just opening herself up to his criticism and his love. Yeah. All in one way. And that sort of, you know, opens the door for her to develop the school and, and yeah, not settle at all. But sort of realize that where you're from is so much more important than where you want to get to. Yeah. And where you want to get to, you know, it's like part of that. It's all part of that one big journey. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Should I should I wrap things up in a bit of a messy, again, we it. take on the qualities of, of our directors when we yeah. talk about them. But the search for higher learning that we're always all about. <laughs> so, um, so I wanted to talk about in terms of, in terms of communication – you know, trying to trying to all wrap it up, right? So the drive for individuality expressed and manifested through the resistance to grow up, mature, and get her shit straight mm-hmm. as, you know, friends and, you know, Francis and all of her mom and then in Little Women, kind of she tells herself, Joe tells herself, I got to get my shit together. Shelf. Oh, I threw you off. <laughs> no, it was really funny. I was trying to come up with a joke. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that, like, it's the upheaval and rebellion, right? Yeah. And then that change, you know, that's the only way that all of these little women will be able to find their passion and that search for higher learning and that like resolve and that closure where it's just like, well, let me run away. Let me figure this out. You know, I need to be myself and an individual Mm -hmm. and yeah, fail along the way. But they all end up in a good spot in the end. So yeah, um, fully. And so a big part of that, though, is authorship. And I think that it's like claiming themselves and realizing. Because again, it's that individuality. So they're learning how to exist outside of their own mind and how to exist in the world as themselves, uncompromised. Because again, I think part of the settling is that maybe you could say that they've compromised. And I don't think that at all. I don't think any of them, even Francis at the end, doesn't compromise on anything. She learns to accept help and others yeah. and you know, family and all everything, right? So authorship, I think, is so tied up with that, you know, which is the state or fact of being the writer of a book, an article, a document, or the creator of a work of art. Mm-hmm. It's writing your own story, which is 
actual, you know, the meta practice of it in Little Women because she's writing Little Women and she puts her name on it. Uh, whereas at the beginning, Joe didn't want her name on all that stuff because it was just, she just needed the money and she was just trying to give it back to Marmy and Beth to try to help them, right? Right. Which again, giving to others. Yeah. Right? Think about it, right? Like, what were we explicitly saying in that sense? The giving to others. Just her, she has like, you know, the cancer is huge with uh, when it relates to like family and the home, but she does also have like Virgo in her chart. So like the virgin, the giver. Yes, Um, the giver, yeah. You know, she like serves that's, that's what I mean, yeah. yeah right. And she's and, and that writing, and that's why, you know, she can't say to Frederick at the time, you know, what do you know and everything. But she's not just doing it for money, right? right? She's doing it for the, she's doing it to provide for her family. Because Bob Odenkirk is uh, <laughs> a lawyer in uh, Albuquerque. <laughs> I saw a good man. <laughs> He's living a different life. Flat twist. Um, yeah. There's a story that's not really getting in, that's not really worth getting into in the New York Times feature. But at the very end, um, of talking about this sort of story she writes where Greta like pees herself during like an exam. Like yeah. this is like, like the, actually pees herself in like the elementary school or whatever. And her classmate beside her like just said to wrap her own sweater around and everything like that. Like wrap your sweater around this and everything, which is like so nice. She wrote about it thereafter and said that, you know, it's a meta story about making a certain kind of art out of life an art steeped in female reciprocity and resilience. That's such a big part of every movie, right? And it's a reconciliation of the female relationships. Both Francis and Sophie, both Lady Bird and Julie, mm-hmm. and both Joe and all of her sisters. Right. And specifically Amy, sort of forgiving and throwing the letter into the lake. For sure. Yeah. Right? And sort of just like not holding on to those grudges anymore. And that like because they don't see themselves as like we have to get out of here and do all this kind of stuff, right? Right. So – yeah, I don't know. I was just on a tear right there. But it's it's all about, if I can sort of bridge all these three movies, is that like it ends, Francis ends on her getting the apartment, her own apartment, and then you see the title of the movie and you get all that nice little thing and it's charming and everything and you get why it's called that. And what is foreshadowed when she's drunk talking about the secret world and I already talked about and she has it with Sophie. She has that love for Sophie. And that is like a resilience between them is that like through like breaking up as friends and moving out, aging apart and Sophie growing up and getting to a marriage faster, having um, a failed pregnancy, et cetera, you know, they find that love together again and they were resilient regardless of like, I had to take a leak guy and <laughs> douchebag who like knows, you know, LeBron James or, yeah. you know. And then another big part of it too, and it acts as this sort of um, triptych, you know, just sort of this rhyming is that like every single time Crash Into Me plays <laughs> yeah. in Lady Bird, it's deeply connected to Julie. Yeah. Um, let me find it right here. So the three sort of uses for all of this is there's a loss of innocence the first time she finds Danny kissing another guy. Yep. And they they listen in the car and everything. So it's that resilience, that like bond between them that's like right. holding them. Then it's a defiance and falling out from the popular crew that she was in. She says, you know, fuck you to Kyle. Basically, I love this song. Drop me off. So she hears it and then goes back. And then there's a reunion. They're like listening to Crash Into Me at prom, isn't it? Yeah. Like it plays again almost five minutes later. Right. And it's a reunion at prom and they're celebrating 
I'm really messy here, but yeah, it's like the, this catalyst with Julie. You're two for three. Take it home. And then Little Women is, if I can actually talk about some filmic elements, finally, it's this co- it's this juxtaposition in the editing and sort of the framing where, you know, when they all get home and Beth's hurt her foot, not Beth, Meg's Meg, hurt her yeah. foot, and they're all together and it's this mad energy and mad dash and they're all laughing and having a great time and everything. Mm-hmm. And that happens a few times, especially around Christmas and everything. And then you have like Chris Cooper, Timothy Chalamet, and the guys sort of like standing around, you know, Timothy Chalamet's tutor. Mm-hmm. And they're all like separated, not touching. There's no physical, they're like really separated from one another, mm-hmm. right? And then there's a physical closeness and intimacy between all the females there. So I think it's in the like constant actions and how they live and in the framing too, is that like you won't ever find a close up in the movie of two men. Right. But the sisters are framed in close ups because they're hugging each other. They love each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're showing that through physical closeness and intimacy and, you know, familial bond, female, you know, bond and kinship. Right. But it, it is that love. So what I'm saying is that that secret world mm-hmm. that like sort of pops up in Francis and then that's so much part of the giver and then. It also is so integral to like learning their own names and learning where they're from and knowing that because of that strength that she has with her friend, you know, with another female, Mm -hmm. right? And it is that female resilience, kinship, Mm -hmm. bond, that is so integral to her. And I mean, Frances Liebert, Joe, her finding her voice, succeeding because she knows that there's a love behind her and then that's that support i think so right yeah no beautifully said no no not at all (laughs) but i think that that's so important to it is that yeah i wish we had two episodes to talk about this i'm trying to cram it all in so many ideas no i think that sums it up i I really do i think yeah it's this return Mm -hmm. they're all returning at some point and it's less about domestic or settling or compromising and it's so much more about like accepting you know, and reconciling with the women in their life. Fully, yeah. Their moms and, and Lady Bird and Julie and mm-hmm. the whole entire family, which Joe never entirely abandons, but she abandons her own sort of, again, solipsistic, like, need to become this famous writer at the expense of all other relationships and the expense, at the expense of, like, settling down and marrying because she thinks that that will then restrict her, which by all intents and purposes would at that period, right. time period, right? And Frances is the same. She's like, I don't really want to be tied down. Right. You know? Yeah. I want to be spinsters with you and everything, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure for Greta, um, with just Lady Bird specifically being her, like, big directorial debut, that that was, like, for her, a reckoning with her, with where she comes from. And, like, understanding, okay, now I want to actually make movies about this place because this place is important and it's part of me and it's, like, where I'm from. And she even said in that, um, I think it was the A24 podcast, and this was related to something else, but that she wants to make, like, four, like like, a quartet, like, four movies about Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. And I can't remember, I can't remember who she sort of cites as inspiration for that, but she does talk about my boy Bergman. Yeah. And she talks about, hey, Bergman made movies 50 feet from his house. Yeah. You know, because all on that island, right, that he settles down in and just starts making all those movies there and makes them at home. And those are like uncompromising visions of like existential torture, the silence of God. Um, I, You obviously know a lot more about him than I do, but if he had taken his work somewhere else, he would have been a completely different director. 
I don't know if it even struck him to make them anywhere else. Yeah. Because it was just so easy. It was just that tool and that anchor. Thank you, words. (laughs) Britannica.com, thank you. It was that anchor. And it's the exact same thing, man. It's the exact same thing. Going to Sacramento. Going to Sacramento, making that autobiographical note, realizing a whole fictional story about it, but sort of uh, learning to probably tell more truth to what was happening sort of emotionally for her at that time than than it would have, you know, maybe if she had just started the movie and it was literally about her life and everything, going to, you know, arts college and everything like that. So that's great. I, I don't have anything else really, I don't think. I think that definitely wraps it up. Great movies. I mean, hopefully you've seen them by now. I mean, they're so rewatchable too that um, Lady Bird's like an hour 34 or 36. <laughs> you Super love timestamps. You love a, a nice 90 minute. I do. I do. Feature. Uh, but Little Women for being 214 flies. Yeah, of course. And yeah, it feels yeah, yeah. so, and I said this to you, I've only seen it once and I read the book. So maybe that played into it a bit. But and it's been adapted a bunch. I haven't seen any of the adaptations. But you know it. It's familiar, But I know right? it. Like, when I watched it for the second time, I was like, it's, it feels like I've seen this movie, like, a million times. Like, it feels so familiar. Jeez. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Find, they all find their name at the end, their identity, their namesake. I know. Our namesake, Map to the Stars, Michelle and Jeremy, draw a. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, more namesakes here. Thank you to Sarah Helm for the artwork. Jacob Anstey for the music on each huge. episode, the transitions, huge. GGs. True GGs. GGs. <laughs> I like that short end. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, this was our episode on Greta Gerwig. And uh, I don't think we heard the cat once. She's behaving. She knows. She knows. To silence in front of Greta. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, I know I pumped this before. Follow us on Instagram. True. It's a lot of fun. Map to the Stars podcast is our handle. Same on Facebook. No one has it. No one, no else one has, has it. it. We're also map to the stars at gmail.com. That's map, I think map it. to the stars podcast at gmail.com. Oh, map to the stars podcast. And then map to the mail. stars podcast, um, our like RSS feed. Dogbuzzbrout.com. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but Br- you're listening to this on a different app, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, rate, review, and subscribe, please. It helps us out a lot. Share with your friends. And let us know if there are any like people you want to hear us talk about yes, in the future. Yes, yeah. We don't have to do directors specifically. Again, today we talk about her performance. In the movies and the writing. We talk a lot about her writing more than on a directorship. Yeah. And she's an amazing director. Fully. She's got a great eye. Mm-hmm. Let's start the episode again. We didn't talk about the director. <laughs> <enough. laughs> all right. Um, we love you all. Peace, Peace. Be, peace be with you. Bye. Bye. Bye.